from the over-the-top studios at Scratch Labs in Boulder, Colorado. This is Race Across America Radio. I'm George Thomas here with Executive Director Rick Bothling. Rick, we are two weeks out to the day from the start of the 2016 Race Across America and Race Across the West. We are. You feeling a little bit nervous yet, George? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) It's that time of year. We're all all a little bit on edge. Uh, You know, our office is trying to get everything put together in the last minute and some things unfortunately we can't do prior to now so we get to sweat it out a little bit but i think our life might even be a little easier than most of the racers right now well let's start with your life right now you just came in with a little bit of signage and i mean what do you guys focus on right now you've got route books you've got signs for every team what else so basically what happens this time of year for us is everything kind of comes down to last minute. We take care of as much as we can prior to now, but all of our merchandise comes in, all of our race signage is getting completed, all of our awards are getting completed, um, all of our basic supplies. So they, they're all coming in right now. And so what we're doing is we're inventorying everything, packaging it up, getting it ready to go. Um, my mother and I spent all day Saturday and Sunday doing merchandise inventory and things like that. Um, so you had a really relaxing Memorial Day weekend. It was awesome, yeah. Um, but, you know, that's that's the way it goes. My Memorial Day just comes later in the year um, as far as weekends go. But, you know, so, so we're basically getting all the packages and everything ready for the racers. Um, route books, they get delivered right as we walk out the door um i'll probably get the monday we leave on wednesday to go to california and are you already starting to load the trailer you've got a lot of stuff you got to get in there so so no we we'll load the trailer um i'll load the trailer probably start on saturday finish it on monday uh friday it goes in to have a little facelift to it we're gonna have um some new signage put on there thanks to some new sponsors. So, again, all last-minute stuff that kind of comes together at the end. <laughs> but it's good last-minute stuff. It's all fine. <laughs> now, it's funny how many people are like, really, George, you're still nervous? This is 23 years I've been in <laughs> since the first Ram. And, uh, yeah, uh, where do you think racers should be or what should they be focusing on right now, Rick? The The, the big thing for racers is – you know, about half of the field are rookies and about half are veterans. And just because you're a veteran doesn't mean you're not nervous and still getting ready. It's perfectly normal, and it should be. It's a bike race. You, you should be a little edgy. Um, you know, racers should kind of be tailing off on their training, um, kind of getting in their last hard workouts um, and easing their way into uh, race start. Uh, the crew should be fairly organized. They should be starting to put together – all of their supplies and all of their stuff for the road trip, um, you know, because it's fine for the people in the U.S. who are driving. You can kind of, you know, you can kind of make it up as you go a little bit because you're in the U.S. But the people coming from overseas, they have a whole different level of planning. They have to bring what they need because in a lot of ways they don't they're not familiar with what's here and they they'll they'll have product needs and equipment needs that are kind of specific to them. Do you see a specific item that is often forgot that people need to remember bike tools. And I can tell you, and it's not that, that you forget the basic bike tools, like a tire lever or a pump or something like that. But one of the things we experienced when my dad raced in 06, he, uh, we had a, 
issue with a rear um, a rear cog set, and we had to pull it apart, and we had every tool under the sun except a chain whip, and so I had to build one. <laughs> um, and I, it worked, and it, it was fine. Um, but, you know, bike tools are a big one. Most people are pretty dialed with what they need nutrition-wise. Um, little things, tubes, tires, you know, any of the bike supplies, too. If people need them, Endurance House and Oceanside will have that stuff for them. And if you want it, contact them early. Let's touch on the rules. Have there been any changes this year? I know you condensed quite a bit. Yeah, so the rules are an interesting thing, and they're 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 something I deal with on a daily basis, actually. And yeah, we've we changed a few things. There, you know, nighttime follow now goes from seven p.m. to nine a.m. local time. And the reason for that is when you're driving east and that sun is rising, it's really difficult to see a bicycle out on the road if there's not a car behind it. And most of the stuff we do is really driven by two things, safety and what local municipalities ask of us. Um, And so hence the reason why we have leapfrog in some parts early on and the time change thing we deal with with uh, nighttime follow. Um, You know, really what we did with most of the rules is not so much change them. We cleaned them up because they've been cobbled together by... I don't know, five different race directors over 30 years, 35 years. And so you could tell. And so we kind of condensed them, cleaned them up, tidied a few things up, took some of the duplication out. Um, But again, next year we're going to have to go back and tidy them up and add a few things because oddly enough, everyone wants to get an edge. And I understand that it is racing, but that's the reason there's 40 something pages of rules. Now, the reason I wanted to bring rules up, what are the most common penalties that you see on that first day or two of racing? Because that's really when the majority of penalties are issued, isn't it? Yeah. So more than anything, and I, you know, if I could tell racers and crews to do one thing, and right now it's a little late to do some of this, but you should have read in the gearbook and even the old rules, because they're still basically the same months and months and months ago, because it takes a lot of pressure off you. Still, you have the time, go back and read them, double check them. So most of the penalties happen in the first 48 hours, mostly because people are nervous and anxious and some are new and even the, even the veterans screw it up sometimes. And they're, they're just, everyone's excited and that's okay. You know, we're not out there to just hammer you with penalties, but the key penalties are traffic violations, running stop signs. Um, the big one, big one, big one all across the country. And especially from here to Colorado, do not caravan, do not have vehicles stacked up behind you. That will cost us the race. And those are really the big penalties we deal with. And how can people avoid caravanning? I mean, there are some areas where it's tough to pass and I'm really zeroing in on the section from the summit of Yarnell to Prescott. Yeah. So there, there's no doubt they're tricky. Um, but the biggest thing is the driver and crew need to be aware of what's going on around them. It's generally very easy to get off the road or to allow cars to pass, but you have to know that there are cars behind you. Um, I've been out on the course as an official and just seen people with cars stacked up, just slide over a little bit or find a good place to pull off the road. If they see you behind your vehicle or the behind your racer, those cars already know that there's somebody there riding a bike. So if you drift over to the side of the road, pull over to the shoulder, even pull off the road, they're not going to be going by at 50 miles an hour. You've already slowed them down. So 
And if you're really that worried about it, let your racer know and let your racer pull off. It takes one minute for all those cars to go by. And you're not exaggerating by saying that that could cost you the race because complaints over that really can cause an issue. Oh, absolutely. Not that is that is far and away the biggest issue we face in this race course. For the most part, all these cities that we go through, towns, they love the race. They love the racers. I just got multiple emails in the past couple of weeks. When are you coming through? I get route updates from them. We already have two possible route changes that we're waiting to hear on. Um, so they love you. They love us. What they don't like is they don't want to be held up going uh, to work by a cyclist. And I think we can all appreciate that on some level. We ride bikes, so we understand that. But the, the, the municipalities that have to deal with the people who live there, when they get angry, they call the police and they call the counties and the cities. And that it's a big issue for us, and especially California, Arizona, and Colorado. Now, let's talk a little about Race Across the West. It's longer this year. It is. We thought a little more mileage would be fun. It's also about 1,500 more feet of climbing. Um, and people have asked about cutoff times and things like that, and the reality is the cutoff is still fairly lenient, and that's why we didn't change it. Um, you know, if, if it proves to be an issue, we'll, we'll always go back and examine it. But 928 miles, I think it is. It's really a punishment to you, George. No, oh, thank you. I appreciate that because in uh, 2014, it was what, 880 miles, 890? Somewhere, so it's really not that much further. It, it's not. I mean, for a solo racer, it's going to hurt a little bit more. There's no doubt. But but the climbing that we've added is generally not as steep, um, it, and it should kind of balance itself out. You know, it's supposed to be difficult. If it was easy, you know, we'd just go do, like, something shorter and, you know, just call it good. Um, and like I said, the, the cutoffs are still really lenient, and they're still reflective of what RAM cutoffs are like. Um, so the extra mileage, it's there. It's not monstrous mileage. It will be hard. It'll be challenging. The average speed is up around 11 for official cutoff on RAW? I think so, yeah. Yeah, and I think I think the RAM cutoff for Durango is 10.5. So you're, right. you know, and, and that's what a lot of people are using this for, you know, is to kind of a testing ground to go to solo ram and the idea is to push you to those limits you know for the teams it won't make hardly any difference whatsoever now does that affect the cutoff time at durango for solos no it doesn't no yeah we kept everything the same we looked at it and we just we thought that it was still a very fair time to reach uh where they're getting to Rick, let's get back to some of those early penalties because especially with rookie crews, you've got some uh, route differences between the riders and vehicles. I know motorhomes have a specific route they're supposed to travel, and it seems every year there's a penalty issued because a crew is not on the correct course, and as a rider, that is so frustrating. Yeah, those are, and, and by the way, Speaking of penalties in general, it is very rare that racers get the penalties. It is 95-plus percent the crew. So crew, pay attention to what you're doing. You know, it seems like everything is moving fast around you. Take a deep breath. Step back. You'll still get it done, whether you take an extra minute or not. So the different routes, yeah, they're very important. So when we leave the start of Oceanside, each racer or team 
will have one support vehicle following them. And that is mostly just a ceremonial thing. It is kind of to keep the crowd happy, keep the teams happy, get everyone excited. So once they leave that start line, they're going to ride about two, three blocks down and make a right-hand turn, goes up a really steep road. So make sure you're in the right gearing. Um, and in a couple blocks past that, the racer is going to go onto a bike path and the follow vehicle is going to go on down the road and meet up with the racer on a prescribed route. The RVs take a completely different route. And that is, again, is purely a factor of cars on the road, safety and coming down the glass elevator in a big old RV. One, depending on how big the RV is, it's against the law. But two, (laughs) it's really not safe. Yeah, you're not allowed to take, I don't believe, the big Class A-type motorhomes down the glass elevator. Um, So there's a reason we route route the vehicles the way we do out of there. It's not because we don't want you hanging out with your racers. It it is really kind of a congestion and safety issue. Um, So there are three sets of directions in the route books so that and they're pretty clear about what they are and where you go. Um, and it's really important you follow those because that's the worst way to start a race is in the first couple hours, get a penalty. You don't want to do that. And again, we don't want to give them to you. Jim Harms, while he's, you know, tough as nails, he's a big teddy bear and he doesn't want to have to write you guys penalties. So I want to get more into this at our next interview, Rick, but, uh, what do people expect when they get to Oceanside? What should someone do? So again, so kind of dealing with your last minute preparations, by the time you get to Oceanside, hopefully you're ready to go. You're going to have, you know, some shopping to do some things like that. But what they, what I really recommend doing is sending at least one crew member down to our office, picking up your stuff and getting ready to go early. Don't wait to the last minute. It just puts so much extra pressure on you and your racers. And it's a good way to get everyone upset to start with. Um, I recommend getting out to Oceanside a couple days early if you can. Um, The racers should be out stretching their legs, drinking some water, getting a nice light bike ride in. The crew should be running around like fools, doing shopping, getting vehicles ready and things like that. Racers, you should not be prepping your own vehicle. That's what you have a crew for. Um, The other thing I highly, highly, highly recommend doing is going out and pre-riding that first 15, 20 miles of the course. Understand it. Know what you're getting into. Don't go into it blind. Start to Old Castle. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's 23.2 miles or something like that. You know, take it easy. Don't go race it. Just soft pedal it, you know, and and enjoy the bike ride. It's pretty. It's nice. um, And it will make the day you start so much easier on you. Let's get into vehicle inspection, and we're going to talk about this some more again at our next interview, but it's so important that a a team show up organized, correct? Because that's kind of your first impression. There's no question, and our officials, they are really nice people. Again, their their job is not to sit and dole out tickets right and left. They are there to make sure people are safe and are obeying the rules. And yes, first impressions are very important. If you show up in that inspection lot and have no idea what's going on, they're going to watch you on the road. And you don't want them to be eagle-eyeing everything you do. Um, And if you show up prepared, have everything nice and ready to go, one, it will save you time, it will save you energy, and it will save you headaches on the road as well. 
And uh, let's kind of wrap up with rider responsibility. They do need to show up for their photos, and they've got to be there for the rider meeting because I've seen penalties given out for missing a rider meeting. Yeah, and, and you know, someone brought up, you know, get pre-race penalties and why they, are, why they didn't think they were a good idea. And my response to that is we don't have a lot of other power to get you to do the things you're supposed to do. My alternatives are I can fine you and not let you race until you pay me more. But I don't want to ask you for more money. We know it's an expensive race as it is. So my alternative is to penalize you with time. You don't want to do something stupid like miss your photo. What a dumb way to get a penalty. Um, and we use those photos. They're important. Um, and the racer meeting. The racer meeting is actually pretty fun. It's about 800 people jammed into the gymnasium. They get introduced. We do go over some last key things. We try to get you in and out of there very quickly. Not something you want to miss and a really, really dumb way to start a race is with a pre-race penalty. So that we're not ending on a dumb way to start the race. What's a good way to start the race, Rick? A good way to start the race is relax, have fun, show up excited, bring your whole team down to the start line, have them cheer, have them cheer on the other racers. You know, it, it's a really fun vibe. We love it. Oceanside is a great host, and the start is a blast. I mean, it really is. And enjoy every second of it. You worked really hard to get there. It, it There are numerous hurdles to get there. We love it. The fans love it. All the racers love it. And really embrace that moment in time. Race Across America Radio Executive Director Rick Bothling, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you, George. Always appreciate it and look forward to next time. From the over-the-top studios at Scratch Labs in Boulder, Colorado, I'm George Thomas.